In your public Facebook post, tag more air conditioning with the hashtag MyHauntedHVAC. The 10 photos with the most comments and likes by 10.30 a.m. November 1st will be entered into round two and voted on by our Facebook audience. The grand prize winner will then receive free installation of the 14-seer HVAC system with a 10-year manufacturer warranty. Plus, everyone who enters gets a free HVAC system evaluation. To find out more and collect your voucher, go to MOHRAC. C.com slash contest. So go to Facebook and enter the more air conditioning hashtag my haunted HVAC challenge today. You're listening to KNEA Jonesboro and KBRI Clarendon. The ticket. It's time for The Setup, the fastest hour in sports talk here on The Ticket. Here are your hosts, Kay Carlton and Andrew Bowen. All right, welcome in to The Setup. A Thursday, October 28th, 2021 edition of the show. Kate Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you here on The Ticket 95.3 95.3 FM, 96.9 FM, AM 970, KDA, the ticket. Also streaming online at 95.3theticket.com and through the tune app by searching for KDA. Find us on social at 95.3theticket on Twitter and Facebook.com slash 95.3theticket. A lot of stuff uh, we'll get into on the show today. We'll kind of go over... Uh, the, uh, the the press conference that was held to officially announce Old Dominion to the Sun Belt today and go over a little bit of the uh, the Old Dominion file. We'll talk a little baseball. Uh, we'll continue looking at South Alabama. We'll get a chance to catch up with Mitchell Gladstone of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. He had an interesting piece up on Emmanuel Stevenson today, the freshman uh, tied in for a state. So uh, we'll get a chance uh, to talk with him about that and more and uh, a few other things uh, we'll get into to close out the show today. But before we get into anything, Andrew Bowen will get us started off with some headlines. Brought to you by Plaza Tire Service, bringing you the best deals on tires. A-State football continues to prep for this weekend's trip to South Alabama. The Jaguars are 4-3 and three overall under first-year head coach Kane Womack and are coming off of a loss to ULM. Saturday's kickoff is at 4 p.m. Meanwhile, the Sunbelt Conference continues its expansion yesterday with the addition of Old Dominion University. ODU was a member of the Sunbelt from 1982 to 91, but currently play in Conference USA. The Monarchs will join the league no later than July 1st, 2023. Elsewhere, Arkansas linebacker Grant Morgan is a finalist for college football's academic Heisman. Morgan was named one of the 13 finalists for the William V. Campbell Trophy Wednesday. The award recognizes on-field and classroom success, plus exemplary leadership. In World Series news, the Astros tied the series with the Braves 1-1 with a 7-2 victory last night. Game 3 will be tomorrow at 7.09 p.m. with that very specific first pitch time again. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, that was was a surprise. I mean, like you said, all these games have just been blowouts, and I'm not, not a fan of it. But we'll get into that later. And this has been your Daily Headlines, brought to you by Plaza Tire Service, bringing you the best deals on tires. Now back to Cade. All right. Um, yeah, we'll get into the World Series a little bit later on, which has just been kind of not compelling. But anyways. Yeah, it's not been very dramatic. Um In news that 
we knew was coming and it was officially made official yesterday and then even more officially made official this morning. Old Dominion is now headed to the Sun Belt uh, in 2023. Uh, their pressure was held this morning. I guess it was like 8 a.m. It was it was pretty early this morning. Um Wow. Keith Gill had a Keith Gill had a comment about you know it's not over we anticipate more movement soon and that probably stands true because Marshall hired a new president today so um, would would assume that Marshall to the Sun Belt would happen either later this week or the first of uh, of next week and then obviously uh, James Madison sometime next week as well but uh, it, there was interesting comments uh, from the. From the old Dominion athletic director, uh, Wood Seelick, uh, that I thought I thought were pretty interesting. So two comments. Number one, uh, and just talking about the Sun Belt, said, "Quote: We felt stability and regionality needed to be a focal point, and the Sun Belt offered both." And then a little bit later on, he offered a quote of, "The Sun Belt hasn't tried to be anyone they're not. They haven't tried to be the Power Six. So took a little bit of a shot at the American Athletic Conference who." A few years ago, obviously, rebranded themselves as a Power Six conference. But you know, I thought both of those comments were were kind of uh, were kind of refreshing because you know it's one thing for for us as A State fans or you know people around A State to sit here and talk about how well off the Sun Belt is or how well off the Sun Belt's going to be, but it's kind of different to hear other universities who you know, haven't been in the league. Uh, I guess in Old Dominion's case, they were in the league when it was first founded, but haven't been in the league and can kind of see it from an outsider's point of view, an outsider's perspective, you know, talking about the viability and stability of the league, which is yeah. pretty uh, pretty refreshing and interesting to hear. So those were um, those were, those were cool comments. Uh, Keith Gill also mentioned – uh, football scheduling and you didn't really lay out a format because obviously this is going to be something that you you don't really have to worry about till 2023 but would focus mostly on divisional play with eight conference games per team per now which kind of makes sense um you, you know you're you're 14 teams now so you have six games against your you know division your your other division opponents and then maybe a couple each year against uh the so like a state if they're in the west they play everyone in the west and then they have a couple of each year in the east which is pretty much the sec scheduling format right now hopefully you balance it out a little bit more where it's not like a 15-year gap between you know like Ole Miss playing Tennessee or Alabama yeah. playing like I don't know Vandy or something like that so I hopefully hate, I hate that stuff yeah I mean hopefully you you find a way to balance it out uh more than the SEC does but it does yeah. seem like that's kind of going to be a little bit of the scheduling model for the Sun Belt and football which again as long as you do it right I it'll work like great. that yeah yeah because you you prioritize your your regional matchups in in football which is kind of what you need like the A-State Coastal game is interesting because you get to see a great Coastal team whenever A-State and Coastal play. But at the same time, like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense just from a geographic standpoint for that to for that game to be an every-year thing. Yeah. Whereas they're off in the West doing their own thing, A-State's off in the West doing their own thing, and it's, hey, maybe Coastal comes here once every four years and we return the favor once every four years. So I, I kind of like that scheduling model. I just hope they don't follow the exact same thing that the sec is doing right now i don't think they will i think they'll do their their own version of it but um 
Yeah, I hope so as well. So Old Dominion comes to the Sun Belt 2023. We've kind of talked a little bit about uh, Southern Miss, and we won't spend just like a ton of time on this just because it is a couple of years out. But, you know, we talked a little bit about Southern Miss and what they will bring to the table from, you know, for the Sun Belt Conference as a whole. Uh, Old Dominion's going to make it a better basketball league in both men's and women's basketball. Oh, 100%. Uh, Their women's, basketball team is very good. Women's basketball, uh, they have 25 NCAA tournament appearances in their history, a slew of conference championships. Uh, they're three years removed from a WNIT bid, two years removed from a 24-win team that probably would have made the NCAA tournament if not for uh, the pandemic. If you look at the net rankings right now, they would have the second highest net ranking in the Sunbelt Conference this year at 124, only behind Troy, who is at 114. So right off the bat, you would think that Old Dominion can compete for conference championships in in women's basketball. Yeah. On on the men's side, they'll also make it a better league. Uh, they have uh, 12 NCAA tournament appearances. They were in the tournament um, as recently as 2019. They've consistently won 20 or, 20 or more games and qualified for the postseason, be it the NCAA, the NIT, the the CBI, the CIT, you know, whatever those other two tournaments are called. Um and they would have they would actually have the highest Kimpom ranking in the league this year if they were in the league at 132. So right off the bat, it makes it a a much better basketball league with the addition of Old Dominion. And then you know this is a baseball team that won their league last year and went to the NCAA tournament has nine NCAA tournament appearances. So from a basketball and a uh, baseball standpoint, right off the bat, it's going to make it a much better league in the. Uh, in the Sunbelt Conference. Now, from a football standpoint, they haven't had a ton of success. They're one and six this year. Their last full season in 2019, they went one and eleven. But it's also a very young football program. They're like in like year ten, maybe, of having a FBS football program. So, uh, Old yeah, Dominion, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, even having like a young team um, with the baseball and basketball program kind of picking up the slack, that's where they kind of can fall back on because yeah. you know, despite the one and 11 season and the fact that like you said they're a young team just having this much success from basketball baseball and eventually football is going to be successful I see that team being successful I mean the facilities they have are great I've seen a lot of numbers about their programs and everything and it just I mean it's only going to go up yeah so uh it, it excited to see I guess two out of four officially added to the sub belt uh, with old dominion officially uh announced today and uh think they'll make the league a ton better in basketball and baseball both uh in terms of other kind of I guess national news going on we had game two of the game two of the world series last night uh that was played down in Houston obviously kind of felt like a much win or a must win for the Astros as they were coming off the game one loss to the uh to the Braves and they did they won seven to two uh and it really wasn't close I mean it was just like the just like the Braves went on Tuesday night, where by the third or fourth inning, it's like, ah, okay, this one's this one's kind of over. And this one was literally by the end of the second inning, it was over. the The Astros were up five to nothing. It was over at that point. And so it kind of goes back to the point of, hey, some of these series have been close in the MLB postseason, but it's hard to get invested in close series when the actual results of the game aren't close, right? Yeah. yeah. Like it, it it's just hard to get. When the game is already over with three to four innings in, it's really hard to sit there and like get invested when you know a comeback's not happening. And that was kind of the case last night. 
I do find so that the most interesting thing about the World Series, though, is so the the mattress Mac guy, the the famous sports better whatever, who placed like a three million dollar bet on the Astros to win that would cash out at like thirty five or thirty six million dollars and would be the highest cash out ever for a ever recorded for uh, sports betting if he hits the bet. It is like kind of hilarious to me that the MLB and the Astros are all in on this. Yeah. Because obviously sports gambling is legalized in a lot more places now. It's a lot more common to talk about. And it's a lot, you know, especially with all the regional cable networks. Like, you know, I was watching the Grizz game last night. And at halftime, they had a special segment at halftime dedicated to looking at the point spread and the money line and the over-under and how that's changed since the start of the game. Like yeah. it is, it is getting talked about more and more each day within sports. I mean, but it is, it yeah. is, it is a little rich that uh, Pete Rose is still banned from baseball and is not allowed in the Hall of Fame, and yet Mattress Mac is out here like ringing the bell and doing all these pregame festivities with the Astros, and he's all over social media at the game. It's like, all right, if if we're gonna do this, let's get, do it. Yeah, get Pete Rose out of there. My get my free biggest Pete Rose. Yeah, free Pete Rose. I've been saying that. My biggest thing is. It's kind of hypocritical, or it is hypocritical for them to do that and have all this show about gambling, basically, and then be like, "Oh, but Pete Rose, you can't, you can't, you're still not involved." Like, exactly. Sorry, man, what you did is unbelievable. <laughs> By the way, DraftKings is sponsoring this broadcast. I'm like, what? What? All of our <laughs> networks are sponsored by Bally, which <laughs> yeah. is a casino in Las Vegas. It's but like, sorry, Pete it Rose, get more scummy than that. <laughs> that's, that's like that's the whole thing. Like I was just sitting there scrolling through Twitter last night. I'm like. But yet Pete Rose cannot be in the Hall of Fame or be around the game of baseball. But we're like promoting this dude, this like shady guy named Mattress Mac. He's being promoted because he the placed a $3 billion dollar bet on the Astros. And I'm willing to bet if this was five years ago, this dude would be arrested and like kicked out of the stadium. Well, like, I, I'm not willing to go that far, but it certainly wouldn't be a story if it was five, six, seven years ago. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it, it, it really wouldn't be because at that point it was still kind of frowned upon. But anyways, if... Uh, if you're like uh, Mattress Mac and you have like $3 million laying around, Game 3 tickets in Atlanta are now going for the low, low price of $1,000 for standing oh room only goodness. on StubHub. So, wow. That's nuts. There you go. All right, we'll step aside. We'll come back. Uh, we'll dive in a little bit uh, to South Alabama. We'll take a look at their defense, kind of see how A-State will match up with that Saturday afternoon in Mobile. We'll also be joined by Mitchell Gladstone here in a little over 15 minutes or so on the program right after we step aside for our first time out here on The Ticket. We're not ready to go to the closer just yet. Stick around. More of the setup is coming up next on The Ticket. Football season is in full swing, and your friends at The Ticket are talking about all the teams you care about. High school, Red Wolves, Razorbacks. We've got you covered with all your favorite shows, including The Front Row with Budrow, RWRC Radio, The Workday Red Zone with Carol Ritchie, The Setup, and The Drive with Brad Bobo. And The Ticket is Northeast Arkansas's home to the Dallas Cowboys. So if you want football, we're here for you on 104.1 KBRI, KNEA AM 970, 95.3 and 96.9 The Ticket.
Your vehicle is a personal and important investment. At Central Collision Center, we're more than collision repair. We do everything from minor paint touch-ups and windshield replacements to framework. We're committed to customer satisfaction and provide the highest quality of service. At Central Collision Center, we provide honest and expert auto care and offer a written lifetime warranty and on-site rental car arrangements. Stop by or give us a call today to schedule your free estimate. Central Collision Center, professional, convenient, reliable. Behind Central Chevrolet on Stadium and online at centralcollisionctr.com. Where are we going? I thought you wanted to get some stuff for the party. We're going to the old country store off the Cash River in Sedgwick, just 10 miles from Jonesboro. Yeah, but we need something besides beer and wine, don't we? The old country store has all spirits now. I'm taking you to see all your favorite men. Oh, you mean Jack, Jim, Jose, and Johnny. Yep. You know, Jose's my favorite. Keep your clothes on this time. The proceeding was recorded by poorly paid voice actors. The Old Country Store and Spirits, 16067 Highway 63 East in Sedgwick, just 10 miles from Dan Avenue. The Old Country Store. Hey, it's John G. for George Kale Motors in Newport. Have you ever been to a car dealership and a salesperson chases you around like you stole something? At George Kale Motors, we won't chase you around or lie in front of your car to make you stop. But we will try to do everything we can to make you comfortable and enjoy your shopping experience. We offer great selection, great prices, and exceptional service after the sale. View our entire inventory at georgekellmotors.com or come see us at Newport off Highway 67, Exit 85, GMC and George Kale Motors. We are professional grade. You know, there's a lot of frustration in farming. One of them is sitting in your truck waiting on parts while your field needs to be worked. That's why Baker Implement is committed to you and your farm, providing you the best service, support, and quality parts fast with multiple locations they're sure to have the parts you need that's why you need to visit bakerimplement.com 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 because sitting in that truck waiting for them parts just makes you matter and matter get your parts get them fast at bakerimplement.com redwoods fans this is your coach butch jones and it's football time in jonesboro we can't wait to see you pack the vault for six home games this fall Hatcher. Steps up, going to keep it. Inside the 10, inside the 5, Lane Hatcher is into the end zone. Touchdown, Arkansas State. Help us lock the vault. Secure your seat now. Visit astateredwolves.com or call 870-972-2781. Wolves up. We're always rooting for overtime round here. Now let's get back to the setup. All right, welcome back here on the ticket, 95.3 and 96.9 FM. Kate Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you here on this Thursday, uh, about, uh, I don't know, 12 minutes or so away from having a chat uh, with Mitchell Gladstone. And I'm not going to spend just a ton of time on this, but I did find it funny today. So, Peta or Peta, however you pronounce it, I don't Peta. know. I, Peta, yeah, I don't, I don't pay attention to <laughs> half the things they say. But as you shouldn't. Today they asked the MLB to change bullpen, the term bullpen, to arm barn. Huh? They want, they want, uh, they want <laughs> the bullpen name renamed to arm barn because apparently it is now insensitive to cows. Oh come on. Oh come on! I'm actually, I'm actually kind of on board a little bit with the name Armbarn. It's kind of sick. It's 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 kind of catchy. Like I first saw this and I was like, "What are we doing?" And then like I started thinking about it. It's like, You're like Armbarn, Armbarn coming out of the Armbarn. <laughs> sounds like some. This dude, call to the Armbarn is brought to you by. It sounds like some dude's like nickname on the broadcast for the bullpen. 
That's great, actually. You know <laughs> I what? Never mind. I kind of like the, Let's go, like Peter. the name Armbarn. <laughs> you know what, Peter? You got it right for once. Let's go. Let's run it. I'm down. <laughs> this call to the Armbarn is brought to you by... Uh, all right. Uh, so South Alabama A-State playing on Saturday at 4 o'clock in Mobile. We gave a, we uh, took a look at the South Alabama offense uh, yesterday on the show. We'll kind of take a look a little bit uh, at their defense. And again, like one of the things we talked about yesterday is I don't really think that their offense has been too much of a problem in their losing skid. And I kind of maybe attributed a little bit more to their defense. Um, they gave up 33 to Texas State two weeks ago, then 41 uh, to Monroe last week. So, uh, obviously have given up a few points uh, in their last couple of losses. But the interesting thing about it is, so, like the Texas State game. So, Texas State had five drives that extended out to three or three minutes or longer, one that almost went to seven minutes. Uh, so that's interesting because they gave up a few lengthier drives and, uh, you know, that's something obviously we've seen the A-State defense do a little bit this year too, but that is interesting because they've given up more lengthier drives. So they had, they kind of bailed themselves out by forcing turnovers. So they had an interception on three straight Bobcat possessions at one point between the first and the second quarter. So like Texas State's driving on these long possessions, they get bailed out by, picking a pass off. So that's interesting to look at. But last week, um, which I think is probably a little bit more of an indication of kind of what A-State will do on Saturday, ULM ran a lot of tempo. So ULM, like they just ran a lot of plays in a short amount of time. So they, last week, the Warhawks had an 11-play, 75-yard touchdown drive toward the end of the second quarter. It took one minute and 20 seconds off the clock. It took them one minute and 20 seconds to go 11 plays, 75 yards, and get it into the end zone. So, wow. obviously, that's tempo is a little bit of something that hurts South Alabama. So, that has to be encouraging for A-State to – we've seen at times this year when they can get ahead of the change on, chains on first down – and create a little bit of a rhythm. They can go tempo and methodically march it down the field. So that yeah. has to be encouraging for for a state. But obviously, you know, when you look at this South Alabama defense, sure they've given up a lot of yards, they've given up a lot of points, whatever. But the one thing that they have done somewhat efficiently is force turnovers. I mean, they have 16 turnovers on the year. They're second in the sub belt with interceptions. They have eight interceptions on the year. Now, granted, three of those came in one game against Texas State, but still, they forced a lot of turnovers. So that part of it is uh, is a little bit worrisome, right? Because you look at it from, and it's not to say like Lane Hatcher has played bad because Lane Hatcher has played pretty well at quarterback this year. I mean, I, mean, I tend to think both guys have played decent at quarterback and I don't really think it's a quarterback issue with a state as much as it is and everything else issue but you know you look at it and South Alabama forcing a lot of interceptions forcing a lot of turnovers and you know Lane Hatcher's having a little bit I guess of an uncharacteristic year in terms of throwing interceptions uh because he comes in with uh with three interceptions and you know there's been times maybe he's been just a little careless with the ball at times so that is a little bit of a worry that South Alabama can force turnovers. But if A-State is getting ahead of the chains on first down, not turning the ball over, and has the ability to go tempo, 
then you have the ability to score 40 points. Because obviously last week, that's something that crippled South Alabama defensively was any kind of tempo. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, for Lane's interceptions that you were talking about, I wouldn't say it's more of a worry. I think it's because, I mean, we've talked about it. He just plays aggressive. He gets out of the pocket, makes things happen. But when you have this offensive line issue that we've had all year, it tends to force interceptions that shouldn't have happened or, you know, he's an inch off a pass on the run and it gets picked off or bobbed in the air for a pick. So, you know, it's it comes with the territory when you have a quarterback that's willing to s- slide out of the pocket and sling it down the field. So um, three interceptions, honestly, is not as bad as I thought it was. I thought it was more, but um, yeah, it is, it is a little worrisome knowing that they can force these interceptions, but... I mean, I think Lane's consistent enough where it won't be yeah. too much of an issue. But so the thing about it is, is that they're they're not an elite passing defense outside of their interception numbers because they're giving up right around 225 passing yards per game. So obviously there will be opportunities to go over the top and beat them through the air. Right. What is a little bit of a worry is that South Dallas is a top three rushing defense in the league and. They've only allowed 951 rushing yards. So right now it's averaging out to around 130 per game on average. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's something A-State has struggled with. Uh, oh, 100%. Yeah. You know, the, the the Lafayette game was the first time they've hit over 100 rushing yards in the game against UCA. So, and we saw, like, and I know it didn't show up, I guess, necessarily as much on the scoreboard because obviously A-State's gotten into the 40s, 50s, whatever, uh, throughout the season, and that wasn't the highest output of points they put in the game by a long shot this year, but it was probably the best that the offense flowed was in that Cajun game when they were able to not only throw the ball well because Hatcher threw for 300 yards, but also established a run game because they gained, I think, a total of like 125 yards in that uh, in that Lafayette game. So Yeah, the offense looked like a well-oiled machine in that game. Yeah. I would argue the team as a whole looks good because the defense looked pretty good too, yeah, which I is mean, surprising. So, again, I think the ability to run the ball is going to be obviously a huge factor. Um, if you get over that 100-yard mark, you know, I think you have a chance. But if not, you kind of run the risk of being one-dimensional. one-dimensional. Yeah. And really, like you haven't, you haven't won a game like that yet this year. You know the, you came close, and if not for allowing a ten minute drive at the end of the Cajuns game last week, maybe you win that game. You came close last week when you were a balanced offensive attack. You really haven't just come super close when you're one dimensional offensively. So, yeah, again, like you want to see improvement. You want to keep getting positive yardage on first downs, but mainly you want to keep seeing improvement and you know building on something to go into next year at this point. Yeah, I mean, two-dimensional offense is how you win a game, 100%. So, uh, it'll be A-State South Alabama on Saturday from uh, Mobile, Hancock, Whitney Stadium, not Lad Peebles Stadium, which I'm sure a lot of people are bent out of shape about that we don't <laughs> get a trip to Lad Peebles Stadium. But uh, that's coming up on Saturday. Pre-game coverage starts up at uh, 1.30 or so over on 107.9 K5. We will uh, we'll step aside. Uh, Mitchell Gladstone of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette will join us. We'll talk uh, about an interesting piece he had on the manual Stevenson today. We'll talk South Alabama game. We'll look back at the Cajuns game and much more. Mitchell Gladstone will join us right after this timeout here on The Ticket.
Kara's icing down. Bobo's in the pen. But Kate and Andrew are dealing. The setup continues right after this on The Ticket. At Mr. T's, they know football games start way before kickoff. And that's why Mr. T's is your tailgate party headquarters this football season. Get 30 packs of Bud, Bud Light, Coors, and Miller Lite for just $20.75, tax included. Plus, Mr. T's has the largest selection of beers and wines from around the world, all at the absolute best prices. So make the game-winning drive to Mr. Mr. T's at Riverside or Mr. T's Express in Red Onion, Missouri. And as always, Mr. T's reminds you to drink responsibly. Mr. T's at Riverside. Central Toyota has your vehicle and your back. And call Central Toyota today to schedule your service appointment. Don't put off tomorrow what can be done today. Central Toyota Service Department is even open on Saturdays. Whether you need an oil change, a tire rotation, wheel alignment, brake service, battery inspection, or engine repair, you can count on the service team at Central Toyota. Next time your vehicle needs maintenance, remember Central Toyota. Schedule your service needs today on Stadium in Jonesboro and online at centraltoyota.com. See Placid Tire Service today for the right tire at the right price right now. Placid Tire Service is the area's biggest selection of in-stock tires at the lowest price with outstanding service, including our four tires, one-hour guarantee. Plus, we make the purchase easy on the budget with our Placid Tire Service card or no credit needed financing options. In Jonesboro on South Caraway and at our newest location on East Johnson Avenue, Placid Tire Service has the right tire at the right price right now. Come see us today at Placid Tire Service. Yard Envy. It's a real thing. The guy three houses down has an amazing yard. Why can't my lawn look lush and healthy? Well, he uses J&K Lawn and Tree Service. Whether the job is large or small, commercial or residential, J&K Lawn and Tree Service offers incredible lawn care. Call 870-897-1329 today. Overgrown hedges, troublesome trees, or unwanted stumps, J&K can take care of that too with tree removal, trimming, and fertilizing too. J&K also has a 10% discount for seniors and veterans. Call 870-1329. Make your lawn the best. Best on the block with J and K. <laughs> this is Nathan from Tommy's Express Car Wash, and we're inviting you to the most unique Halloween event of the year during the Tunnel of Terror. A haunted car wash experience Friday and Saturday, October 29th and the 30th from 7 to 10 each night. Get scared, get free candy, and get the best car wash you'll ever have. It's the Tunnel of Terror this Friday and Saturday from 7 to 10 at Tommy's Express Car Wash near the intersection of Highland and Careway in Jonesboro. The Storehouse has a new location, 3102 Fox Road in Jonesboro, and they have everything for your business. Office supplies, office furniture, fireproof files, printer towers and ink, break room supplies, cleaning supplies, bathroom supplies, self-inking stamps, printing, and so much more. The Storehouse offers free delivery, and you can order online or over the phone if you need. The Storehouse, 3102 Fox Road in Jonesboro, or call 870-972-6360. Put your business in the hands of the experts at The Storehouse today. It's the quickest hour in sports talk. That was fast. Now back to the setup on the ticket. All right, welcome back here on the setup. Ken Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you here on 95.3 and 96.9. The ticket. We are, I don't know, I guess right at like, Right under 50 hours or so from kickoff Saturday afternoon between A-State and South Alabama. We're also halfway through a Thursday show, which means it's time to go check in with Mitchell Gladstone, who covers A-State for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Mitchell, how are you this afternoon? 
do well, guys. You know, it's uh, starting to drizzle down here a little rough, but other than that, you know, it's good to be close to the weekend. Well, uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that uh, Cajuns game from last week. We'll also uh, jump into uh, the South Alabama game this week. But uh, you had a story come out uh, this morning uh, at the ADG on uh, Emmanuel Stevenson and uh, just kind of his rise from the start of fall camp to being, you know, one of the busiest freshman tight ends uh, not only at A-State but kind of uh, in the country so uh, just tell us a little bit about uh, that story yeah I honestly you know, I don't think I realized how like you said busy is probably the right word I mean you know uh, he maybe impactful would be you know a, a stretch I mean he's he caught his first touchdown against the Cajun yeah. so to, to go impactful I means he has 14 catches that's you know a very impressive number for a true freshman but what I think was, you know, the, just the most mind-blowing stat was, you know, he has 330 snaps. Um, the next place is on either offense or defense, obviously not including special teams. Other two freshmen um, is the lead striker at 125. Um, striker really, they didn't come in until a couple weeks in. So, it yeah. show you, you know, how limited the contributions have been from two freshmen. I think combined, it's 281 total snaps for the other six two freshmen to play up against the ball. So, um, you know, there's been a lot of Emmanuel Stevenson. Um, you know, his, his, his work has clearly paid off. Um, I think you know, when I talked to him, you could just tell as soon as he talked to Ashley about catching a touchdown and, you know, he just, his eyes lit up and he was like, yeah, you know, I just, I just saw the end that I had before. And, um, so, you know, it's really a young guy who is now reaping the rewards of all the work he's put in. Um, and so now it's a matter of, you know, okay, so now they got him, um, They've got Sergio Traore, who worked for a lot of time working with Emmanuel Stevenson over the summer. Yeah. Um, and then I believe Noah McCrumby, if I remember if I'm not, if I'm not, if I have his name correct, is the top recruit in next year's class for right now for Arkansas State. So that's going to be three young tight ends, um, which, you know, makes us, you know, sets up, you know, the way that Coach Jones wants to run the top end. Butch Jones had uh, some interesting comments in there, along with uh, you know some comments from Emmanuel Stevenson uh, his himself. You know, I think Emmanuel kind of talked about him being surprised at the amount of workload. Just what overall did uh, did Butch Jones and then uh, Emmanuel Stevenson have to say? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with, with you know Butch Jones that he talked about was you know he's physically there. I mean, this is a good thing too, and that's something that. Which shows the best about you're right, having guys who talk about on the offensive line, he talked about it and on the defensive line. So in a sense that, you know, he wanted to have um, you know, big guys to tight end and so, you know, uh, Emmanuel Stevenson would have given that but then uh, you know so then talked about was the way he progressed as a um, you know, understanding the playbook, being able to run the routes, all those yeah. things. And so I think that sort of been you know, what's given him the chance to really take off is, you know, he had the physical traits, and I think that's what I'm going to try to recruit and forward. Um, and then the question is, you know, how do those guys come in and, you know, understand the play, understand the offense, to see all those things. And so when you see a guy like Steven who really has gotten that very quickly, um, then you get results really quickly. 
Go. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on this uh, on the Cajuns game from last week. Obviously, a twenty-eight to twenty-seven result in favor of uh, Lafayette. Uh, and you know, I, frankly, I don't know that many people expected the outcome that we got from that game. But what were kind of your overall takeaways uh, from last uh, Thursday night here in Jonesboro? I don't know that you know. I necessarily didn't. You know, I expected it to be that close. Obviously, I don't think anyone really did. At the same time, I didn't necessarily expect, um, for whatever reason, I had you know just a gut feeling, um, you know, that maybe coming maybe coming off the open date, you know, that they were, they were going to play better. Uh, I don't I didn't know how much better, and obviously that was a lot better than even I expected. I mean, I just sat there at the first half, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, they haven't really shut anyone out. And I go look, and they, they hadn't. They, it was the yeah. second quarter all season that they shut the team out, and ended up doing it twice. So that's um, clearly a step in the right direction. Um, this is the biggest thing that stood out to me that was, you know, I asked a couple guys about that final drive, and obviously, you know, that final drive, in the moment, you know, when you ask them to play games, everyone is just so, um, you know, yeah. let down by that. But, you know, one thing that you realized was, um, you know, they were tired. I, mean, I looked at the snap count, and they played six guys in the defensive line. Uh, JoJo, Zuzu, and Savannah Bennett played every single snap. At defensive end, um, that's just not sustainable. And so, you know, I know Butch Jones is probably you know, they don't have competitive depth, and you know, he's just going to keep repeating that this season because it's, it's going to be true, and it's not going to change this season. Um, so, I think that's something they have to obviously deal with in the short term. But in the long term, I think you're going to need to see if they're going to actually be able to compete with some of these teams that are, you know, building on the line. You know, they're going to need to get guys so they have good depth at defensive line because. You know, playing the same guys there, it's just, you know, they're going to get tired of the fourth year, especially against a team that loves to run the ball like Louisiana. Well, uh, A State loved to run the ball against uh, the Cajuns last week, and that's something we've, not only in our conversations, but I feel like everyone has talked about, you know, just. A-State has to establish the run game at some point. They finally did. You know, they I think they gained somewhere around 130 yards. Their net rushing was around 115 and finally got the run game going. Uh, how important did you think it was for, for for them to get the run game going against Lafayette and then, you know, maybe try to sustain that the rest of the year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all just you know, having some, you know, sustain, like I said, you know, sustaining a drive, you know, keeping, you know, having progress on offense. And I think, at the end of the day, you know, it just starts off with, I mean, a lot of it's just, you know, it seems cliche, but a lot of it's just belief and focus and, you know, trying to everybody be on the same page. And so, I don't, you know, again, I, this is not a, I don't know enough about James Blackman, but, you know, when you just ask you about Lane Hatcher, they just, you know, praise, praise him and his ability as, as a leader. And so, I don't know whether, you know, I mean, we'll see at the end of the season, you know, Lane's going to, Obviously, be out there this weekend, and I think he, you know, I, I would expect that if he he's playing well, um, and especially if, if they win, you know, they're going to still still stay on that role, and so maybe we'll be able to go back again the season and compare the numbers. Blackman versus Hatcher. I mean, obviously, the offense has been good, but in terms of what they've been able to do, you know, scoring, you know, sustaining drives, having number, you know, long drives, you know, those are the things that that matter in terms of getting the offense going. So um, I don't know how much it was, you know. Things drastically different than they did, but it's just you know, can they have you know be, be together, be as a group? Um, yeah. That's really what what matters for us to go forward game. Well, this week, uh, shifting gears to South Alabama, we're talking with Mitchell Gladstone of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Uh, it's 
you're going up against a, a team that uh, has dropped a, a couple of games in league play. Obviously, they're hungry to get to six wins, and probably their best path is wins the next two weeks over A-State and Troy. What uh, what do you think the difficulties will be with uh, South Alabama, and especially Jalen Tolbert at wideout for the Jaguars? Yeah, I mean, I think you just look at South Alabama. I mean, look, you said, you know, they're they're a good they're a good team. Obviously, they you know, you said they've lost a couple of games, but they're on the verge of bowl contention. You know, they've got a first year coach who, um, you know, the first it's not only a first year coach but a first time coach, Kent uh, Wolback, who has you know really cut his teeth and has uh, you know, Arkansas ties. So, um, kind of a little bit of a you know fun little Arkansas homecoming for him. Yeah, really homecoming to say, but. Um, you know, obviously Jake Bentley's been around forever. I mean, he's completing almost 70% of his passes. He only has four touchdowns. So he's really the veteran guy who's not in the nation's state. Um, that's really where the offense, I mean, yeah, obviously Colbert is a huge piece, um, 873 yards, four touchdowns, 19 yards catch. I mean, that's a huge piece. And, you know, yeah. I was looking at, looking at the other day. I mean, it's just the number of big plays. I mean, it's not like we don't know it already, but it's just, it's staggering. I think Arkansas State has given up five more plays of 50, 60, and 70 yards in the next closest team. And, I mean, again, like, you know, not that it's anything that, you know, we haven't seen and we're not familiar with, but, you know, if Cliff Tolbert gets going, and, you know, those big, those big plays have been there, and I, I expect them even, even in a good team against Louisiana, they still give up two plays of 70 yards. So, you know, those big plays are going to be there, and, uh, you know, with a, with a veteran quarterback and a, a good offense. You know, that they're going to take advantage of that if the A.C. defense doesn't get things right. So, you know, it's, I think it's a lot of the same story. Um, the question is, you know, can Arkansas State go on the road for the first time the season? going to win their 0-3. Yeah. Um, and they really haven't been competitive in any of the second half in any of those games. Uh, I guess Tulsa, they sort of came back, but they really haven't been all that competitive in the second half. So, you know, get into a game on the road, uh, you know, take the things that you that they did last week and see if they can sort of actually keep themselves in the game for, uh, you know, a full 60 minutes. Well, uh, it'll be uh, a fun Saturday, 4 o'clock, uh, at South Alabama. Mitchell, what can our uh, listeners find in terms of uh, coverage over at the uh, Arkansas Democrat Gazette in between now and then? Well, as I sort of teased, uh, you know, I'm doing a little bit of a, a, little bit of a dive into Kane Womack and his history with Arkansas. His, his dad was the defensive coordinator at Fayetteville yep. for several years, so... Um, and he played high school at Fayetteville and, and went on with a fullback there for a couple of years. Uh, so a little bit of we're on King Will Mac coming Saturday. Um, tomorrow, uh, yeah, finally get to, I finally got to sit down and talk with Rob Harley this week. And, uh, you know, just a really interesting path. You know, he's been under some great coaches. Pat Narduzzi, uh worked for Mark Antonio at Michigan State, played for Jim Preston at Ohio State. I got to talk to a couple of those guys, and, uh, you know, just really interesting path. You know, his first time being a defensive coordinator, obviously the results haven't been there. But his path to coaching and his path to Arkansas State was sort of fascinating. And so uh, we, got, we got into that and, you know, what he thinks of this team and, what, you know, what he's trying to build on the defensive side of the ball here at Arkansas State. Mitchell, as always, uh, appreciate the time. Look forward to seeing your coverage this week, and uh, we'll catch up next week. Thanks for having me, guys. That's Mitchell Gladstone of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette joining us as he does each and every Thursday on the phone lines. We'll step aside, take our final timeout of the day, come back and close out the show after this on the ticket.
Our advice? Just take the over. More of the setup is coming up next on The Ticket. Rice prices falling a bit. Hello, I'm Scotty Woodson on the EAB Ag Network with your EAB Market Countdown. December corn at 562 and three quarters, up five and a half, with March corn at 571 and a quarter, up five and a quarter. November soybeans, 1233 and three quarters, down five and a half. January soybeans, 1246, down three and three quarters. December wheat at 772 and a half, up 12 and three quarters, with March wheat at 785 and a half, up 12 and a half. December cotton at 113.73, up 321. March cotton at 111.83, up 319. November rice at 1328, down one and a half, with January rice, 13.57, up a penny. Moving on to livestock now, October live cattle at 124.50, down 272 and a half. With December live cattle at 130.32 and a half, down 125. October feeder cattle at 156.67 and a half, up 17 and a half. November feeder cattle at 157.65, down 82 and a half. December lane hogs at 75.20, up 322 and a half. With February hogs at 77.20, up 287 and a half. That's your EAB Market Countdown brought to you by Pico Foods. Now buying corn and Milo direct from local farmers' bins in Arkansas, Alabama, Missouri, and Mississippi. Attention farmers! Pico Foods wants you to know how much they appreciate your business and that they are ready to buy your stored corn and Milo. Pico Foods purchases year-round and always at competitive prices. The eighth largest poultry producer in the U.S. and a fourth-generation family-owned business, Pico Foods believes in supporting local producers, so they buy corn and Milo from farmers' bins at competitive prices year-round. Call today. In Arkansas, David Durham or James Chester at 870 270- 2-7101. In Alabama and Mississippi, contact Greg Bird or John Taylor Hickman. 601-670-9383. Redwoods fans, this is your coach, Butch Jones, and it's football time in Jonesboro. We can't wait to see you pack the vault for six home games this fall. Hatcher steps up, going to keep it. Inside the 10, inside the 5 lane, Hatcher is into the end zone. Touchdown, Arkansas State. Help us lock the vault. Secure your seat now. Visit astateredwolves.com or call 870-972-2781. Wolves up. Stevenson motions right. They throw it to him. Inside the 10-5. Emmanuel Stevenson is into the end zone for the score. The freshman tied in. Puts A-State on top once again. The Red Wolves wrap up the month of October on the road Saturday as they visit the Jaguars of South Alabama. And you can hear it all on your home for A-State football, 107.9 K5. Coverage begins at 1.20 with Wolf House, presented by Baird Auto Group. Then from Mobile, it's the Mid-South Ford Dealers Tailgate Show at 2, the Centennial Bank Pregame Show at 3, and kickoff at 4 o'clock. A-State football is sponsored in part by Central Baptist Church, 1812 Pizza, First Financial Mortgage, Tedder Equipment, Blue Cross Blue Shield agent Woody Harrelson, The Old Country Store, Purcell Tire and Service Center, Glen Sane Motors, Tommy's Express Car Wash, Farmers and Merchants Bank, and NEA Baptist. Timeout's over, and we're going to a full court press. Now let's get back to the setup on the ticket. All right, welcome back here on the setup as we get set to close out a Thursday edition of the show. Kate Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you on 95.3 and 96.9. The tickets, thanks to Mitchell Gladstone, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, joining to talk a little A-State. That'll be up following the program. Missed any of that conversation, soundcloud.com slash 95.3 The Ticket. Uh, later on tonight, uh, you'll be able to hear the Grizz and the Warriors going at it in San Francisco tonight. Uh, I believe that's a 9 o'clock tip. Uh, so Grizz playing a back-to-back. 
or the the tail end of a back-to-back tonight after dropping a game to the Portland Trail Blazers last night. So that game was that was a national TV game, uh, I, I believe, right? It was on ESPN, right? I believe so. Yeah. Anyways, it was a national TV game last night on the road at uh, the Moda Center in Portland. And for about a half, it was a pretty competitive game, pretty interesting game. Uh, Grizz were, I think, down like four at the half, something like that. So they were, uh, they were actually, no, the Grizz were up for that. That's what it was. So the Grizz were, you know, right in the game. They were up at the half and then uh, kind of got a bond kind of got a little bit of an onslaught from the from the Trailblazers there in the second quarter or second half of play. So Portland scored 65 points in the second half of play, outscoring the Grizz 65 to 39 and route to a 116 to 96 victory. In the uh in the second half last night, uh so uh disappointing for the Grizz last night and I I don't know. Like, here's the thing. So, John Morant's really good. We know this. Mm-hmm. John Morant. I mean, he didn't play spectacular last night. He had 17 and 10. wasn't just super efficient from the floor, but whatever. He's he'll have a bad game every now and then. But he is. If he plays all 82 games, 72 out of the 82 games, he is going to be spectacular, if not more. He is going yeah. to be an all star. And let's. I mean, 17 and 10 is still pretty good. Right. And the fact we're saying that's not like what he normally right. does so i mean he's fine. yeah bane played well last night he had 19 but the two things i know where you're going the anthony melton didn't play great yeah and then jaron jackson jr like is he worth the money they gave him i was literally about to bring this up if you didn't bring it up but i talked about if you follow me on twitter you saw me talk about this yesterday i mean it's not getting to the point where we need to have the discussion yet of is this contract a waste because it's pretty early but if in the middle of if at the end of November beginning of December he's still on this 30% from the field you know struggling then it comes into question of was this just a premature contract extension yeah because what, he's getting 25 mil a year in the yeah, new contract extension and he's shooting yeah. 30% from the field like that is absurdly <sighs> bad yeah like I, I, I told someone last night. He kind of reminds me of if you if you put Rudy Gay's game into a six eleven power forward center's body, this is kind of what it would be because that is scary how accurate that is. <laughs> I mean, he's an inefficient scorer. He he doesn't he doesn't like to rebound the basketball. He ducks out of rebounds. He's an inefficient scorer, and it's just kind of it's get to the point where it's like. All right, if you're only going to play 50 games a year and you're not going to be an efficient scorer as a big man and you're not going to get rebounds, then why are you getting paid $25 million a year in the coming years? So obviously, it's very early. Maybe in three months we'll be talking about Jaron Jackson Jr. as MIP or something crazy. But right now, it's like, man, that contract looks a little bit dicey. Yeah, I think it was I think it was because at first we said we were all like, okay, this is just like a motivator. And then the season started and we're like, okay. It's not really a motivator. It reminds me of, I don't want to say it reminds me of the Andrew Wiggins Timberwolves situation, but it kind of does because I feel like it's the same thing where they said, hey, are you going to try harder? And he said, yeah. And they paid him money and then he was terrible. Yeah. But this is more, they expect a lot of him and Jaron's not performing. So we'll see what happens. It's a long season, like I said, but eventually this conversation needs to happen if it's still 30% from the field in the middle of November. 
Uh, Grizz will close out their West Coast swing tonight at Golden State. 9 o'clock tip. You can hear that right here on the ticket. They'll also try to snap a uh, two-game losing skid tonight in San Francisco. More importantly tonight, though, we get Thursday night Sunbelt football, a game that, I mean, honestly, let's be real. (laughs) It would be a ton more interesting if Coastal had – not lost last week to App State. Oh yeah, well, I mean you're, you're to a point now where any any type of shot you had at getting into an access bowl, if your coastal is kind of gone by the wayside, mm-hmm. um, you know you're even as it and this is just the system. This is how it works. Even as a top twenty five team in coastal, like you don't even have a shot really. I don't think to get out of a Sunbelt Bowl tie in at this point if you're Coastal Carolina because which you aren't going to be ranked high enough, which is. Which is not a coastal issue; it's a the way college football is yeah, structured. That's issue. what I was about to say, and it's just kind of sad because coastal is a really good team, and I mean, we've seen this happen year in year out, where teams are either undefeated but play have played nobody or have lost one game um, and fall really far in the rankings because they're not in a Power Five conference. Which you know you can't change the way the system is right now, at least. But yeah. I mean, they'll still be in a bowl game, which is still a good right, thing. Right, but they're so. going to be in a bowl game against a peer opponent, and they're not going to be able to play a Power 5 opponent, which True. even last True. year when they were a top 15 team in the country, they got matched up with Liberty in a bowl game and not a Power 5 opponent, which yeah. goes back to the whole issue that college football has sometimes. Uh, but we're hoping it's fixed. I mean, yeah. I think it'll be fixed in the next couple of years. Uh, they take on Troy tonight. Troy's kind of in the same boat as South Alabama. Um a team that is on that four win line mm-hmm. and has a couple of winnable games. I mean, you would think that Georgia State at the end of the year is winnable, and the South Alabama game has to fall into winnable contention. But Troy has Coastal, Lafayette, and App also left on their schedule, oh. so there's not a whole lot of more opportunities for wins for Troy. That's and you would also stretch. think this is going to be a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a how bad will Coastal beat them by type game? Because obviously, <laughs> like Coastal lost on the road at App State, their undefeated season is over. Their dream of going 12 and 0 and potentially you know, running the tables in an access bowl or something is over. And so it kind of turns into a question of how bad is Coastal going to uh, going to win this game tonight? Uh, that's not the only college football game on. Frankly, it kind of is, but it's not. Uh, South Florida and East Carolina at 630 oh, tonight God. on ESPN. <laughs> a matchup of a 2-5 and five South Florida team and a 3-4 and four Eastern Carolina team. Oh, no. <laughs> in... Uh, I guess this is uh, I guess this is at East Carolina. So fill the electricity of five thousand people in attendance <laughs> to watch two teams with a losing record tonight on ESPN. I do not plan to watch it's the toilet, any bit of that game. It's toilet bowl week. <laughs> I do not plan to watch any bit of that game. Yeah, it's ugly. Don't even plan to even like even remotely think about betting on that game. I'm staying or as checking. far away. I'm not even going to check, check the score. <laughs> yeah. I'm staying as far away from that game as I possibly can. It's going to go tonight. tomorrow when I look at the slate of games from last night, which is two of them, and I go, "Oh, that happened." All right, yeah. cool. And then I move on. <laughs> uh, there is a there is so the NFL is like on this weird schedule on Thursday night games where it seems like you have three weeks of just straight just terrible games. It's like I, I'm not <laughs> watching this game because it's. 
it's Thursday like has been it's like Jaguars and Falcons or something like that. But tonight it is it is a very very interesting game. It's very hard, very hard to go undefeated in the NFL, especially now that you have a 17 game schedule and you know you played seven games and guess what you're not even halfway through the season. So I don't think the Cardinals are going to go undefeated, and I think probably their best chance to lose is tonight because it's Packers at Cardinals tonight in Arizona. Game. It's it's going to be one of the best Thursday night football games that we have gotten all year. The Packers have won six in a row after just getting annihilated week one against the Saints. Um, well, there's that famous picture of Aaron Rodgers laughing on the sidelines as yeah. they're losing, and he hasn't lost since that picture. Yeah, happened. they've they've won six in a row. They've they've won a lot of those six games in convincing fashion. Meanwhile, Arizona uh, is is undefeated on the season. They they just they drubbed the Texans last week, thirty one to five. They have one of the yeah, most exciting bad. players in all of the NFL, and Kyler Murray at quarterback. So, like, it's setting up to be just this fantastic Thursday night football game between the Packers and the Cardinals now my issue with it is that it's on Thursday night and not Sunday because I I just feel like all your good games should be on Sunday and Monday the Thursday night slot is reserved for terrible teams playing terrible teams yeah the I saw it the other week that people were the announcers for Thursday night were kind of trying to hype it up and say that Thursday night was like the best broadcast and I was like eh yeah it's really not it's (laughs) Like nine times out of ten, I'm not interested. But I'm I'm bare, I'm glued to this game tonight. I'm yeah. I'm this, glued to this. This will game. be this will be the best game this, in the whole. This slate. this will be the best Thursday night game and one of the best NFL games all year. Uh, but also, JJ Watt is out for the season with uh, with an injury, so that was announced today. So that takes a little bit of uh, the luster away from the uh, the Arizona Cardinals going into that game. But I'm excited to see Zach Ertz now that he's in this new team. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I guess it's his debut tonight, isn't it? No, he played last week. Played last week. Okay, okay. but he did, he caught like one, two passes. So. Okay, so he'll be more involved in the offense tonight. Yeah. All right, that does it for us. Thanks to Mitchell Gladstone of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette for joining. If you missed any of that? Missed any of the show? It'll be up following, or not even following here in a few minutes. Uh, SoundCloud.com slash ninety five through the ticket, or wherever you get podcasts by searching for the setup, the drive. With Brad Bobo is next from 3 to 6. 7 to 10 tomorrow morning, it's the front row with Budro. 10 to 12 tomorrow, it's Red Wolf Roll Call. And 12 to 2, it's the Workday Red Zone. Get you back to us tomorrow from 2 to 3. For Andrew, I'm Kate. So long. Have a great Thursday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.